light at the end of the tunnel. Welcome to the Love You Later by Podcast the Psych, Mo- the Psych Monologues. I'm Dr. Ray Mitch, your host and commentator and otherwise do-it-yourselfer. Um, we are in day 35 of my best attempt to track the travesty that we find ourselves in. Uh, today is April 21st, and we are zooming in uh, breakneck speed for the end of the semester for many universities and the end of a lot of misery for a lot of students in the middle of doing online classes when they never really had that intent or never really signed up to be doing that kind of thing. So, uh, welcome. Like I said, April 21, we are ready to roll. And um, it seems like with the news of today, we have a little hope for, uh, uh, like I said, a light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully it is not the train barreling toward us. And um, it appears at least as if some things are going to start loosening up a little bit and we're able to... uh, exercise our um, freedom a little bit more uh, forthrightly. I don't know what other word to come up with there. But anyway, I, uh, I, I am turning my attention to uh, attempting to accomplish a couple different things with this podcast. Uh, like I have said, and if you're just joining us, I'll explain it a little bit. But Uh, This podcast has not been around very long. It's my attempt really to uh, provide some reflections and and thoughts that will send our seniors off into the wild blue yonder um, with not a whole lot to indicate that they were actually expected to take off. Uh, Most of the time when we enter into it in the university and in the academy, we have mile markers. We have markers in time that tell us where we are, uh, whether that is a, a Thanksgiving break or winter break or whatever that might be. Uh, we, we hit spring break, a longer spring break, at least at CCU, and then it just never stopped. And we ended up uh, landing ourselves at home because of the pandemic we find ourselves in the midst of. And now we are zooming up and being able to see on the horizon getting larger and larger Uh, what we anticipated to be graduation for a lot of students. For uh, us as professors, it was a lot of goodbyes and and send-offs and other things that that we anticipate doing at the end of the semester. And so here we are, having to try to figure out a way to to, um, mark the time in some kind of meaningful way rather than letting it... um, die in with a whisper. Um, I have a lot of students and seniors in my classes that are uh, not only suffering from senioritis, but they feel very much feel like they're kind of slogging through uh, and lagging in their motivation to get things done. The interesting thing about this is that it ultimately is uh, very much embedded in some of what I've been talking about over the last few days, and that is just 
experiencing a, a long laundry list of, of losses. And now the losses are getting more and more real. Uh, and some people have, have looked at it from afar, which was about four weeks ago, and saying, ah, whatever, it's just the way it's going to be. And I'm just going to um, kind of resign myself to the reality. And now other feelings are starting to arise that says, yeah, I'm not so sure that I'm ready for this. And at least in the world of grief and loss, where we talk about anticipatory grief, and then we talk about the real thing in a sense that we're looking at the very real end of the semester and maybe of three or four years of school wanting to mark it as a significant achievement, which it really very much is. And at the same time, realizing that um, I, I have nothing really to indicate the end of it. So that's what this podcast is, is an attempt to kind of mark time, uh, to provide some reflections into the future. Uh, and at the same time, try to make sense of what it is that that we're all feeling um, with the changes that we've had to endure and and uh, the, the, the losses that are normal every year, they happen every year. I make, com- make this comment in my class oftentimes that I suffer uh, significant grief at the end of every semester. Uh, it's kind of complicated by having to get all my grading done, but uh, it takes me a good month to try to get recovered and think back on fondly many of the memories that I have of so many of the classes and students that have marched their way through my life and through my classes. So um, here we are. And uh, I I have a couple things, like I said a minute ago, that I'd like to talk about. Um, One is really the role that expectations play and how it interferes with our ability to Uh, not resign ourselves to reality, but to accept reality as it is, not as we would want it. And then the second thing is, is I'm going to turn my attention to the second part of these podcasts to what I'm just referring to as reflections for my seniors, uh, for whoever's listening. I I don't know that many of them are listening at all, and it's just a matter of me um, talking out loud. I have used the, the uh, example with some people that really don't understand. I'm not a real fan of, of The Walking Dead by any stretch of the imagination. Let me be very, very clear on that point. Um, but I had somebody kind of point out some things in it that got me thinking, and I watched it. And, and one of the first episodes, not that I'm trying to spoil it for anybody, but the main character wakes up from a coma and finds himself in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. And even though that strains our measure, uh, measure of belief about the reality of that, there's, there's this same kind of pandemic that he finds himself in and trying to find his family who have fled the scene. And, and he, he's armed with a walkie-talkie that he gives to another family that's equally a, a dad and a son who's trying to survive. And he find it, what he does is he goes up on a, a the the highest hill he can find and and talks to them and talks to them about what's coming and they were all heading toward Atlanta which seemed to be the best place to go to find out what was going on and to get help and he he sits on the the knoll or the, uh, the hilltop and says I don't know if you're out there or not but this is what's going on and I hope the best for you and et cetera et cetera and in some respects when you 
uh, at least as a podcaster. I don't know about anybody else, but I, when I'm sitting here talking, it's like, I don't know that anybody's really listening to this, but I'm going to do it for me. And then hopefully it's helpful for other people and whoever does listen, whether it's my seniors or anybody else, maybe some of those reflections would be useful to contemplate and think about as far as the bigger picture of life and how we live it. So let me let me jump in here at the very beginning and, and talk a little bit about the expectations and how they play into how we handle what we're going through. You know, when I thought about it, starting out with, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, it's kind of a mixed bag because we see a, a light that indicates that the end is near, but then we look back and say, so what has come of this other than I've survived as well as I can? And the expectations always play a role in all of our interactions, whether it's with ourselves or others or whatever it might be. And, and the problem that most of all of us face with this is not the last I checked, nobody that I've met has gone through a global pandemic like we are going through right now. And usually we go into this thing not really having any expectations because we don't have any prior experience with it. But even in spite of that, what we find is that we still have them. And the, the thing about the expectations that we do have is they are undefined until they go unmet. And I realize that I really did expect something else than what's actually happening. There is something that I say all the time is that I don't really know I have expectations until they go unmet. And then what I'm faced with is disillusionment and disappointment and uh, depression and a desire for an answer as to why it didn't turn out the way I expected it to and all other kinds of default types of behaviors that we have engaged in in the past when the current reality we're in is not defined clearly. We really don't know what our next steps are and we just default to what we know to do. And so the expectations bite us even though we didn't know that it was there waiting to chew on our our leg and some of it is because we have different expectations for home than we do for work or school and those things have gotten merged and we really don't know how to manage that very well <clears throat> so given that fact I, I have expectations that have gone unmet and therefore my disappointment and my disillusionment is built on something that I have never defined before. And the question is, is what am I going to do with that? Well, oftentimes uh, my, my answer, which I've been repeating over the last few podcasts time and again, is that if I'm going to manage the disappointment and disillusionment I have about the state that I'm in, the best way to manage it is not alone. In other words, how can I connect with other people and say, 
the, the, you know, which is the the weird the the word I hear all the time, weird or this sucks or whatever. But I think we have to dig into it a little bit more deeply than that, and, and say, what am I so disappointed by? Well, maybe I thought that I was going to do a better job than I did with this kind of time that I've been forced into slowing down, or I I I had expectations of the person or, or, that I am confined to house arrest with, and they're not measuring up. The reality is, is they can't measure up to a standard that that we have not set. What they don't measure up to is whatever measure of needs we have that we would like to see them meet, but we've never really stated it that way. And at the same time, I want somebody to do something for me without me having to say it, because after all, if I really mattered, they would know what I need, and I shouldn't have to say that. So I, I think in a lot of ways, when you look at the state, that the, the condition we're in and the things that we're going through, a lot of what we experience is a result of unstated, undefined expectations. And the clearest path out is to talk about that with other people and, and be able to share that with them and renegotiate kind of the terms about how we're going to be doing things and and what's reasonable to expect or what's not and being really careful i think one of the things we have to be careful about is that our expectations shouldn't turn into demands because they end up going from hidden expectations to hidden demands and then the person is the other person is doomed or reality is doomed of course the problem with reality is it doesn't negotiate with us it doesn't really care whether we like it or not and that's that's where a lot of us are really so there there is a good portion of that that we have to look at and talk about and i think that's a significant part of our challenge is you know i again and i'll say one last thing and i'll move on a lot of people say well i just don't have expectations that is fundamentally not true so either they're lying to you or lying to themselves because we can't function without expectations. It's how we, how we structure an unknown, undefined situation. We put something on it to at least give us a head start to, to, to grasp it and to understand it. So expectations is, is a natural part of being human. It's a way for us to structure something that's unknown and then be able to adapt. It, it gives us a head start to adapt. And, so expectations are not the issue. The, the issue is, is what we expect people to do in regards to our expectations. And then when they don't, because they don't know them, we get disillusioned and disappointed, maybe even angry because, again, like I said, if they really love me, if they really knew me, if they really cared, they would know what I need without me having to tell them, which is a whole nother can of worms that I think we probably have to unpack um, whenever. I'm not going to say at a later point in time because I don't know that when this is when that time is. So, so there's that, and and that's just food for thought in in regards to what we're we're talking about here. The second thing I wanted to mention, and this is particularly for my seniors, is as I reflect on the kinds of things that I've talked about that I would like to 
kind of leave them with in terms of launching into uh, the next transition or next chapter of their lives. Um, and it really focuses in around uh, a commercial that um, Acura, the car company, released a, a few years ago. And it was advertising one of their their cars. And and really, the, the focal point wasn't the car. Actually, the focal point was the nature of the engineering that they did. And so what they did was, is they... they uh, well, let me say this. What was even more remarkable about it was that there was nothing said in this. There was no words. There were no. T- it was all accomplished by um, looks and glances and so forth. So, and if you've ever seen this particular commercial, it's a um, you know obviously an engineer who's working in the cr- crash area and. It, it shows him kind of moving uh, a group of life-sized um, dummies or life-sized dolls or whatever you want to call them into place into the car. And one was a little girl, one was a little boy, one was a, a, a grown woman, and then the other was a male who was the driver of the car. And he was meticulous in where he put them and how he adjusted the seats and and um, you know where he put the mirror and where he put everybody in the car. He was entirely meticulous about that. And so he goes back to the engineer, the the, the uh, control room, hits the button, and the car hurtles toward a obviously a uh, uh, concrete embankment or a wall or whatever, just to test out this crash. And a- as the car is hurtling toward this this. Um, embankment or the wall suddenly you get a glimpse of the traditional crash dummies that we're used to and and it ends with when you don't see them as dummies something special happens now what's key is is something that I've spent a lot of time talking about over the course of my time at CCU and that is I would simply change that, particularly when it comes to our interactions with each other, is that when we see each other as persons, not objects, not ways to get things done, not anything else, I see them as persons, then something sacred happens. And I think it's an important point to keep in mind when we move into life is to recognize that the people we are interacting with besides the fact that they're people is the reality of their personhood and when I interact with them they are not objects to get something out of but they are persons to interact with and the value that they have because they've been endowed with the image of God exists within them whether or not they accomplish or do something for me. And it's an important lesson to keep in mind even in the realities of what we're dealing with today, even with each other, is our tendency is to see each other in very functional terms. 
In other words, I will do something if you will do something back for me. It's very transactional. It's very contractual. And it, it we do that with our feelings. We, Interestingly enough, we do that with ourselves. And we do it with God. Because we say, all right, I, I have been obedient. I've had my quiet times every day. I have been as good of a person as I know how. Therefore, you should deliver, God. You should get me out of this. You should uh, uh, make sure that my relationship goes well. And that that is treating God as an object. I, I see him as a celestial vending machine rather than somebody who loves me dearly, loves me enough to die for me, and I is inviting me into a relationship with him. And so it's fascinating how much, and, and this, is, this is kind of the, not really the punchline, but this is a key point. If you think back four weeks, which is all it's been, to how we were dealing with relationships at that time, and all the things we were taking for granted that now we sit and look back at that wistfully and say, man, I wish I had that back. Man, I, I, I wish I had listened more carefully or I was more present or when I was listening to somebody, I wasn't scrolling through my phone or checking out my Twitter feed or any number of things. I, I, just to give you an example of that, is I, I, I've had students actually admit this and they say this with kind of a, sheepish look is like I really wish to be back in the classroom again and I I listen to that and you know I'm I'm the teacher I'm up front I get to watch everybody while I'm talking which I do and it's quite mildly entertaining at times other times irritating but they say I wish I was back in the classroom it's like Back in the classroom, when you were so busy texting that you couldn't listen to anything I said, or the interactions that we've had together, <laughs> and you're distracted by whatever is going on, or your phone going off, or whatever that might be, you want to go back to that? And the funny thing about it is, we called that normal. So I think it gives us a reason to pause. And to realize that, the, the as C.S. Lewis once said, we don't interact with just flesh and blood. We interact with spirits that are enduring and have value in and of themselves as they are. The question is, do we interact with each other that way? Do we interact with persons or do we interact with somebody who's a method that accomplishes some end for me? That's the first installment I have for my seniors. The rest of whoever else is listening in can listen in. But that's the first installment of my reflection for the future for you. Is go into life valuing people as persons, not as a means to an end. And what you'll find is not only will, your, will you develop relationships differently, but what you offer them will be different because you've also seen yourself that same way. And that's the challenge. 
Well, that's it for tonight. I've run a little longer than I had necessarily intended. Maybe I'm biting off more than I can chew with trying to tackle two different subjects in a single podcast. My hope was to try to keep it within a 15 to 20 minute time frame. I'm a good four minutes over, but that's not terribly unusual for the rabbit trails and exit ramps I am apparently known for. I wouldn't know that, but So, thanks for joining me for tonight uh, and joining me for another edition of the Love Ya Later Bye podcast. Until the next time, see you then.